Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. The reading is from the New Testament, from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, and beginning to read at verse 7. Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Good morning everyone and thank you to Kathleen for reading our our passage to us today from John 10. We're continuing on our theme, following Jesus in all of life, based on that verse in John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We keep saying it's really good to see you, but we can't really see you, um, which is a, a, a bit of a conundrum. And, uh, but it is good to be in your homes, and I hope you're being blessed through the messages. We keep saying it's not the way we want to do it, it's the way we have to do it. And uh, we're praying and hoping that that will change um, sometime soon. Over the years, and Emmanuel, 24 years now coming this year um, in September, um, we started our church based on three things, on it being a family, a hospital, and an army. That was our ethos, and we felt that um, we always wanted to be a family. That was our big thing. It was born around a kitchen table, and so we wanted to make sure we we kept the family ethos at the, at the forefront of everything. We knew that we would be a hospital, that people would come. Heart was coming out of um, visiting broken homes and working in a broken community. The heart was that we would become a hospital, but we don't uh, want people to live in a hospital. And so we always wanted to be an army that we would keep advancing and taking ground and, and moving forward. And over the years, <clears throat> a couple of things that have caught me um, as a, a sort of the father of the house, you feel like sometimes there are those army chats where you're calling people to war and stepping forward and taking um, ground. And then there are those fireside chats as a, as a dad that you would have where um, you would just um, lovingly gather your flock together and have that little fireside chat. And the more I've, I've thought about this over the last couple of weeks and I've thought about how Maybe they're very similar, those chats. Maybe those fireside chats are, are chats to enthuse and, 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 and arouse us into the 
um, auspices of what God has for us. And so what we're doing is looking at what the life of Jesus looks at, looked like. We've looked at the way, we've looked at the truth, and now we're looking at what did the life of Jesus look like? What happens when we touch him? Or the bigger question we asked last week, what happens when he touches us? And if ever there was a time um, to live a life like Jesus, it's now to love our neighbor as ourselves, as one of the as ourselves, as one of the the greatest commandments. And most of us are freed up of it. And the good question is, what are we taking time to notice? And so, as we've launched our new initiative through Al's video um, this week on the website, looking at loving our neighborhood, how can we look? How can we pray? And how can we? serve. I don't know if you've ever been pulled into a fight that you didn't want. Um, like you, you didn't go looking for a sort of fight. I'm not a fighter at all. Um, I, I, I hate the thought of it. But I was a coal man in Craig Evan for many years and I got into way too many scraps that I wasn't looking for. And one in particular comes to mind when I was walking down a, a back alley on a dark winter's Friday night lifting coal money. Two guys jumped me out of the bushes and it wasn't fun. Um, one of the guys was screaming like a washing machine with all kinds of uh, adjectives. I think he was speaking in tongues. And he was shouting to his buddy to get my money bag, get his money bag, while they were both flailing punches and kicks. And there was a steep bank. I remember rolling down this steep bank, fighting for my life. And I'm not dead sure how to tell you how to how to tell you the story ended, other than to say I survived and they didn't get my money bag, um, and it's okay just to leave it like that. Well, the passage that Kathleen has read today reminds us about thieves and robbers. Jesus is making it his business to have recorded in the pages of Holy Writ that down through the church ages. All kinds of things and all kinds of people are going to come your way. He's saying, he talks about hirelings, some of your versions will put it, or hired hands. Those are people who are in it for what they can get out of it, all right? People who will bleed you dry and then run off to the next sheepfold. And he then, of course, of course as Kathleen read the passage to us, reminding us that there's a, an ultimate thief. There is a, a, a sort of a, a chief of all thieves, Satan himself, who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, coming to steal your peace, to kill your joy, to destroy your life. And then he swings the verse around in that 1010, and he says, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. So my question today is, what does this full life look like? That's my ramblings this week. So this is a bit of a fireside chat called to move forward, rambling sort of thoughts, all right? Um, what are the things that define this life that Jesus offers, all right? We've time to find this at the minute, all right? We've been blessed with a, a, a bit of a reset moment as a church. Not often you get that, but we've been blessed with a reset. Now, I'm, I'm not making light of the fact that thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people have died in this horrific pandemic, and we continue to pray for those families. We continue to pray for our NHS. But looking forward towards the church, we think we've time to reset, and we've, we've time to think about what this life defined, the life of Jesus, what it really is. Things like freedom from guilt and shame, 
We're told in Galatians 5.22 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And those are the very things that define Jesus. And John says this in 1 John 2.6, whoever claims to live in Jesus must live as Jesus did. That's pretty sound stuff there and pretty solemn. People who claim to live in him, to claim to live in Jesus, must live as Jesus did. I love how people's lives got changed when they were confronted by this man, Jesus. And I'm here to tell you today that he is still in that same business, all right? Hebrews 13, 8 reminds us of this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, um, looking at some of the things that uh, Jesus did, all right, and some of the people that he touched. In John 3, from one end of the spectrum, we have this religious man called Nicodemus, and he came to Jesus by night. And we can only imagine that the reason for that was because he was too embarrassed to come by day. Some people reckon that maybe he was too busy to come by day, but I think there was a secretive thing. He was obviously intrigued by who Jesus was, and he asked this question, how could he be born again? And Jesus actually confronts him and tells him in verse 7 that you must be born again. And they get into controversy about how that could happen uh, with the conclusion that to enter heaven, one must have eternal life. One must be born from above, be saved, repent of their sin, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Last week, we looked at the sick woman in Mark chapter 5 who had been isolated and victimized for 12 years, an outcast of society, and we saw how she heard of Jesus. Someone told her, someone in her community told her, all right, and she came and she dared to touch Jesus, a touch that would not only change her health, but would change her life and her eternal destiny. We see people coming to Jesus from all spheres of life. And I began thinking about this this week. All of us live, all of us live in different places. We have different spheres of influences. We have different neighborhoods. We have different neighbors. We have different elements of, of work society that we're involved in. Even we're working from home. We have people, different people that we're involved in. In John 4, we have a story of a woman at a well, which is familiar to most churchgoers. And the way it's commonly told, the story goes something like this, that Jesus proves that people are more important than principles and breaks all the rules in the book to meet a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well who asks her, who he asks for a drink of water. They talk. In the process, she confesses to have been married five times and presently living with someone, a man out of wedlock. He confronts her sinfulness. She recognizes him as the Christ, repents, rushes off to tell others and shouts, come and see a man that told me everything I have ever done. And the whole town, listen to this, if you think you can't influence your neighborhood, the whole town turns to Jesus in faith and receives him. They make him stay, read the story for yourself, they make him stay two more days, verse 40 of John 4 tells us. And then in verses 41 and 42, I love this here, we do hear this, it says that, and because of his words, Many more became believers after Jesus had stayed a couple of days. And they said to the woman, listen to this, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. 
and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. If any of your mom or dad here um, listening to this um, today, those are the best words you could ever hear from your kids. Those are the best words. We no longer believe just because of what you said. We have heard for ourselves and we know now that this man really is the savior of the world. And that's what this whole community done. So here we have it. We have a woman who is an outcast uh, in Mark 5 from our own people and society. We have a hyper-religious Pharisee coming to find Jesus at night. And we have a woman with five divorces under her belt, living with number six, man number six, outside wedlock. She's about to meet man number seven, who becomes her perfect man, the one who will change her life and her destiny forever. What is it about this man, Jesus, this man, Jesus, who spans culture and race, who spans gender and class, this man who continually reaches across the realms of society, changing people's lives from the elite of society to the lowest of the low, the deepest and darkest places of grief and loss and sin and forgottenness. Who is this man? Well, he's a man called Jesus. He's a man that changed my life many, many years ago. He's a man that has changed the lives of millions of people across the world. He's a man who, who touches us in grace. I love that word, grace. It literally means favor. The Hebrew word for grace is the word chen, C-H-E-N. And it means to bend or to stoop in kindness to another as a superior to an inferior. That's, that's, that's a great ending. Listen to it again. To bend or to stoop in kindness to another as a superior to an inferior. I love that. That's so special. Now here's what John writes again in his little epistle. It was 1 John 5, 13. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you hear that? I talk to people all the time, and when I ask them about eternity, they say things to me like, well, I'm sure, I sure hope things work out in the end. Well, I've lived a good life, or I'd like to think I'll make it into heaven. It's like this great balance, and your good works are going to be uh, weighed by your bad works and all of that. The Bible says it's not of works. It's not of works. Ephesians 2 tells us not of works, lest any man should boast it simply by grace. And so John had this depth of experience out of which he could reveal and proclaim Jesus. And he's saying to us today, you may know that you have eternal life. Imagine that. You could leave watching this um, in your home today and know that you have eternal life. This man, Jesus, raised the dead. He gives sight to the blind. He brought in miraculous catches of fish. He could pay taxes from a fish's mouth. He, he, he cast out demons, cancers and sicknesses, curled up and died at his feet because of his words. He had the ability to rewrite the story of his town. He had the ability to rewrite the story of villages and he had the power and the anointing to rewrite the story of the world. It's incredible. And what if I told you, what if I told you as his follower, as his disciple, as his co-er, you can do the same? Now you would say, you would probably be thinking, oh, Phil, come on. Now you're stretching this a bit, aren't you? Keep to the script. Stick to the scripture. Okay, I will. John 14, 12. 
Here's what it says. Verily, truly, I tell you. Now, that, that's an emphasis, all right? When the Bible says verily, verily, or truly, truly, or the NIV puts one of each, says verily, truly, they're saying, I want you to get this. I want you to let this sink in. This is important for you enough to read twice and underline and think about in your Bible. Verily, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, listen to it, will, not may, not might, will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, the good news is that Jesus went to his Father, and the promise was if he went to his Father, we would do the very things he does, and we'd even do greater things. Listen, folks, you need to hear this. We are the church We are meant to be the light of the world. You're not a reflector. You're not a moon that gets light from another object and then reflects it onto something else. You are are a person. If you're a believer, you are a person in whom Christ dwells. This is pretty incredible. This is what Paul was meaning when he said to the church in Colossians 1.27, he said that it was Christ in him which was the hope of glory. Christ in him which is the hope of glory. He said it was the glorious riches of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, a couple of wee things, all right? Our time's going good. As I study the church from its inception in Acts 2, I see it born to do what Jesus started to do here on earth. I, 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 I see it, it born to continue the expansion of his kingdom uh, that Jesus introduced for it to be the hope of glory. And that's why we're calling you to love your neighborhood this week. We're calling you to be the hope of glory in your neighborhood. May the love your neighborhood in such a way that you carry that hope of glory into it. Now, three things that mark the life of the church, and, and, or that mark the life of Jesus, that mark the life of the early church, that I think should mark us today. Three simple things. Here they are. The first thing is a commitment to diversity. I see... In Jesus' life, I just shared with you a woman who had been an outcast for 12 years, a man, elite religious Pharisee at the top of his ladder, a woman who's at, 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 a, at a well at midday of, because of shame and guilt, uh, uh, who is a, 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 a nobody of a nobody. And Jesus, Jesus just spans all of this diversity. And, and as a church, we need a commitment to diversity. I love this about our church. We can worship with people who come from all kinds of backgrounds, different languages, different ages, different dress codes, different cultures, people who vote differently, who look different, people who love different things, whether that's golf or shopping or football or cars and motorbikes like me. That, my friend, is one of the huge glaring things about the life of Jesus and the life of the early church. And it needs to be our motto, a church where anyone can come A church where anybody can feel loved. A church where anybody can be accepted. Some say, well, you've got to believe to belong. No, 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 no. That is not not the gospel. That is just wrong. That's like saying, if you don't believe what I believe, then you can't belong. That is not true. I I love the story in Luke 18 of a a wee man called Zacchaeus. It calls him a small man, and he couldn't see Jesus because of his stature. Climbs up into a tree, thinks he's hid in 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 the... in the foliage of this uh, sycamore tree, Jesus comes, looks up, and then tells him to come down because he says, he, Jesus just invites himself to his house for tea. Now tell me this, do you think that by the time 
Jesus got to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus felt in some shape or form he belonged to this. He belonged before he ever believed. As a matter of fact, Jesus gave him such a sense of belonging, he could not believe. And that's what we're called to do as a church, all right? So we need a commitment to diversity. Secondly, we need a, a commitment to fellowship. That's what I'm missing most of the minute. And it's a vital ingredient of the church. I look forward to, um, we pre-record our messages at the minute and I see the guys here who do the recording and Matt and Andrew and, and I, I, I love this time. Holly doing worship and Tash today. I just, I love seeing people that I'm more used to seeing more often. And I miss that. And because and, it's a vital ingredient of the church. Now I know, I know we got way too busy before this lockdown. And I definitely don't want to be one that returns to that level of madness. I, I'm, I'm on for that. But I, I miss the tensions of fellowship. I miss the tensions. I miss, I miss the gatherings of diversity. I miss the Dixons. I miss William with his wee guitar and stage um, and the worship team. I miss the hugs and the high fives of the kids. I, I miss the banter and the buzz. I, I miss the, the, the Edwards clan and the Cousins clan. I miss the, the Fosters and the Gordons. I miss Vinti and Anita and their wee girls. I, I miss Louise Fry and Carmel and George Kern and Paul Livingstone. And I miss Nina and Diana and her wee family and just bumped into the Froggets coming in who were getting... I have clothes from Renew to bring to someone. I miss these people. I miss these people. And, 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 and for the people who think that we're just going to do church like this forever, well, not me. Not me. I'm missing you like flipping mad. And I'm probably going to get into trouble for saying flipping in my sermon. But there you go. We will meet again. Believe me, I am not going to do church online forever. It's just the way it needs to be at the minute. We will be together again because fellowship is a powerful thing. And we see it all through the life of Jesus and we see it in the early church. Diversity, commitment to diversity, a commitment to fellowship, and then a commitment to perseverance. I, I love that. Um, Romans 5, Paul, the writer in Romans 5, 8, and he says, but God demonstrates his love to us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us didn't wait for us to clean up our act. He persevered in our brokenness. He persevered in our rebellion. He persevered in our, in, our, in our shunning him and pushing him away. He persevered. And there needs to be a commitment to perseverance in the church. Perseverance is a wonderful thing. If you're married or if you're a mom or dad, you will know. If you're a human being, you will know this. Never more prevalent at the minute is the word perseverance because you have to cue at Tesco's. You have to cue at everything at the moment. You know, there's a great story of the Chinese bamboo. And they tell us that uh, when you plant a, a Chinese bamboo plant, it's one of the most remarkable plants on earth. And once the gardener plants the seed, he will see nothing for the first four years. It won't break the soil. On the fourth year, they reckon it will come an inch out of the ground. And then in the fifth year, in the fifth year, it will grow 90 feet in 90 days. 90 feet in 90 days. Now, pretty incredible, isn't it? And uh, you could ask yourself, when did the tree actually grow? Did it grow in the last 90 days? Or did it grow over the five years? Well, the truth is it grew over the five years. The truth is that 
The truth is that the answer lies in the unseen part of the tree, the underground root system, where during that first four years, a fibrous root structure spreads deep and wide in the earth, preparing to support the incredible heights the tree will eventually reach. So let us commit to these. These are our roots. Our roots are our diversity. Our roots are our fellowship. Our roots are our perseverance to persevere with one another. And when we commit to these, I believe we, pri- we prioritize the presence of Jesus. We'll be looking unto Jesus and we will be able to fend off any thief or robber that comes our way that Kathleen read about at the very beginning. Let me land it with a scripture and then another little story and then we're done. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3, puts it this way. I love this. It says, therefore, uh, talking about, we often say in Emmanuel, if you look for, if you find therefore in the Bible, you've got to look and see what it's there for. It's a hinge word, and it comes just at the, after the great chapter of faith, which is Hebrews 11, and then it talks about all those people who have died not receiving the promise, and then it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all our loved ones and all the people, all those heroes of faith that have gone before are cheering us on today. Incredible, isn't it? He says, because of that, because of the fact that they're all there cheering us on, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Folks, if ever there was a time that sin would so easily entangle us, It's these times when you don't have to go out as much. It's these times when you can be in the privacy of your own home, when you think nobody else is watching. And can I say to you, just be careful. Be careful of the sin that so easily entangles you. And he says, let us run with perseverance. There's the word. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Some of your versions will say, looking onto Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, that's you and me, the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down on the, on the throne of God, the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary, and you will not lose heart. Don't lose heart at the minute. Don't lose heart. We'll get through this. We'll get through this. And we'll come a day when we'll have a commitment to our diversity, a commitment to our fellowship, commitment to our perseverance. I uh, read the story some time ago of two friends who went into a, two friends who went into a, an art gallery and um, they, they were looking around the art gallery and on the wall of the art gallery there was a picture of a chessboard and the, 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 the painting was entitled Checkmate. And uh, one of the friends got totally enthralled by this painting. He's staring at this painting. Just couldn't get his eyes off the painting. So the other guy goes and he starts to go about the, the, uh, looking at the other pieces. And then he comes back to the guy and he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm just transfixed by this. And he goes off and he does another meander around. And then he comes back and his friend's still staring at the, at the, at the picture. And um, he says, come on, you're missing all the other pictures. And he says, no, no, leave me. The guy goes off again. Art gallery's about to close. The guy comes back. He says, look, I don't know what's got you about this picture, but he says, we need to go. And the guy says, it's wrong. The picture's wrong. And the guy goes, what do you mean it's wrong? It's thousands of pounds, that picture in an art gallery. How can it be wrong? He says, it's wrong. He says, it's not checkmate. 
the king has got one more move. Now, I've been sent from my home to this room to go into your home to tell you that the king is still in play. The king has still got one more move. And if you think coronavirus or COVID-19 has the control of society at the minute, I can tell you the king of kings is still in play. He's still on the board. It's not checkmate by any means. It's still in play. And if you can just put yourself into his hands and not allow yourself to be taken away by the hirelings, by the thieves, by the robbers, or by the thief himself, I tell you, your life will be a journey and your eternal destiny will be set. Heaven as your home. That's our prayer. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. We've been saying this week by week. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, we've got a helpline that's going across the bottom of your screen. We'd love you to ring that. Um, and uh, if you want somebody to pray with you, if you like someone to uh, uh, just help you make this decision, then we'd love to be able to do that. And you might want to just pray a prayer or something like, Lord, I am a sinner and I repent of my sins today and I invite you into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. And the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, not might, not maybe, but will be saved. So that could be yours today. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your marvelous word. Thank you, Father, for the mysteries of the kingdom. Thank you for what we see in the life of Christ and how, Lord, you allow it to be ours. You remind us in, uh, in John 15, 16, you remind us that, that we didn't actually even choose you, but you chose us. Ephesians 1, 4 reminds us that you actually chose us even before the foundation of the earth. Wow. So God, we love you. We are excited to be your church. We're excited to be part of your kingdom. We're excited, Father, to be committed to the diversity as you were. We're committed to our fellowship together and committed to the perseverance, O oh God, of watching each other grow in their faith in you. So, Lord, bless this word today. Seal it to every home in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. May the Lord bless you this week. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.